Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 4, and I'll start reading at verse 7. The, the, um, the account that we're, we're going to be studying this morning actually begins way back at verse 1. If you have your own Bible, you can kind of read back over and see how the story starts. We're, we're leaping a little bit into the middle of it. Uh, long story short, Jesus is traveling from uh, Judea, where Jerusalem is, and he's making a journey up to Galilee, where his hometown is. And he does sort of an unusual thing, which I'll explain a little bit. He decides instead of going around the Samaritan territory that he's going to go directly through it. I'll explain why that's a little bit unusual in a bit. But as he's traveling through, uh, about the middle of the day, he comes upon a well. And uh, he meets a woman from Samaria. And we'll start reading there. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. You know, it's kind of interesting that Jesus uses this metaphor of water because water is such an important thing in our world. If you, um, if you look at uh, what, what uh, scientists have learned about water, you can find some amazing facts out about it. I, I wrote a couple of them down here. With everything that goes on in your body, for example, you may be surprised to learn that 50 or 60% of your body is actually made up of water. And uh, here's, here's some of the great things that water does for you. It spreads to every part of your body. You, you know, one of the unique qualities of water is that it forms to whatever container it's in, including your body. It's able to form itself and go through all uh, the, the vessels and so on until it reaches actually the cellular level. Water helps your body digest and absorb all the food that you eat. It keeps your body healthy and young. With sufficient amounts of water, your, your blood circulates better. Your body temperature remains stable. Your cells receive all the nutrients and, and oxygen they need to thrive. And your organs and joints are protected from unnecessary wear and tear. Pretty impressive uh, list of things that water does for you, isn't it? And on the flip side... The lack of water or dehydration also does some kind of interesting things. When you become dehydrated, your brain can become foggy. Your joints and organs can suffer. Uh, It's not just that you're, you're going to feel thirsty, but irritability, fatigue, weakness, apathy, emotional instability. Honey, this is the answer to my problem right here. I just need to be drinking more water. Chills clammy skin, nausea, throbbing heartbeat, loss of appetite. 
That's stage one dehydration. Let's move on to stage two. You get headaches, cramps, shortness of breath, dizziness, confusion, tremors, tingling in your arms, hands, and feet, irritated eyes, fainting. And finally, in stage three of dehydration, you're going to find it difficult to see. You're going to begin to experience hallucinations, deafness, swollen tongue, and finally, kidney failure. That's equally an impressive list of things that occurs in our body when we don't have enough water. But did you know that not only can your body be thirsty, according to what Jesus just told this woman in Samaria, your soul can be thirsty too. And when your soul gets thirsty, that also creates an amazing list of things that go on inside your spirit and inside your soul. And we see that all around us in the world today. I was thinking about this. You know, a lot of the things that I think naturally might just irritate us and bother us in our world today and go, why do people have to do that? Maybe that's because there are a lot of thirsty people in our world today. Soul-thirsty people. You know, I was driving to church today, for example, and on 19th Avenue and Baseline, I was facing north on 19th Avenue, about to make a left-hand turn, and noticed that on the street sign, someone had put a big old tag on the back of the street sign. I'm, I'm sitting there scratching my head going, now, why does someone have to tag a street sign? And I got to thinking about today's message, the one that I am preaching to you now, and I thought, you know what? That's a thirsty person doing that. That's a person who doesn't really know their identity in Christ, doesn't know their true God-given purpose in the world. Maybe it's a person who's suffering from guilt and shame, but they've got to find a way to establish themselves, who they are, and uh, to find a way to, to, to bring some purpose into their life. And so for them, they found this little answer of, I can make my mark by tagging a sign. See, I think some of us look back into history and we go, I wish the world was like it was back in the 50s and 60s when more people came to church and it seemed like Christian values were everywhere. But I don't. I don't. I don't wish that we were back there because I think we live in a much thirstier world today. I think we live kind of like in, the, in a modern-day Samaria where, where people, they know a little bit about Christian beliefs, but they also have their own thing going on, just like that Samaritan woman. You see, the Samaritans were a group of people that back in history, when the Jews were all deported to Babylon because God was disciplining them for 70 years, some of the Jews remained behind. And they began to intermarry with the people that were imported by the Babylonian king. And they began to meld together all these beliefs, some of them true beliefs from the scriptures and some of them other ideas. Don't we live in that world today? A melting pot of religious ideas that actually, when you boil it all down, really just leaves people thirstier than ever. And that's why I think today's story is so important because Jesus makes an outlandish promise. 
That's why this message is in this series, Jesus Uncut and Uncensored, because he says something that is really striking. He says, if you take the water that I have for you, he's not talking about physical water, he's talking about spiritual water. If you you take this water that I have for you, you're going to drink it, and you will never be thirsty again. So what does he mean by that? What is this spiritual water that he's offering to the, to the thirsty world around us? And, and let's be honest. When we say the thirsty world around us, we also have to kind of do a little bit of inward peeking too, don't we? Because I think there's a world of thirst inside of each of us, even those of us who are Christ followers. It's easy maybe to look out and see the thirst. But it's, it's also possible to look within and see the thirst. Now, what are some signs that maybe you're feeling thirsty? You're feeling weighed down and burdened by, by past sins or maybe today's sins against God? You're feeling like, wow, we just went through that series, Ten Commandments, Pastor Jeff laid it all out, the scriptures, put it all in front of me, God told me how to live, and now you look in the mirror of that law and you go, wow, I fall, I fall woefully short. How guilty I, I am. How ashamed of myself I am. You walking around daily with that? Now, now maybe you're not yet fully looking in the mirror. Maybe there are other things that are signs that you're getting spiritually dehydrated. Maybe you're not quite ready to actually take that look in the mirror. So what would be some other signs that you are experiencing spiritual dehydration? You find your temper snarling up a little bit more. You feel your fuse getting shorter and shorter each day. You feel yourself saying things like, why can't X person in your life get this right? Why can't they put the effort in that I do? Why do they not seem to have the concern and the compassion that that they need to have? And you want to lash out at that person? Or maybe you feel overcome day by day, by waves of worry. You you can't quite get off your mind uh, your finances, your children, your spouse, your mom, your dad. And you're just, it, it seems like you're standing by an ocean almost, and waves of worry just keep washing over you and washing over you again. And, and, you, and you say to yourself, how do I stop this? I don't know how to stop the worrying. Or maybe you just have this, this growing giant animal inside of you, this mastodon of fear that walks around with you day by day by day. You almost feel like the axe is right here, right? And it's, it's hanging by a thread. And when is it going to fall? Well, if you're experiencing some of those things, then... Spiritual thirst is not just out there in the world. It's right in here, inside of us. And so here's the thing that I want us to to first write down in our crosswalk notes. Your bodies know thirst, but so do your souls. Look at what the the, uh, 
The prophet David, King David, wrote in Psalm chapter 42, he said, my soul thirsts for God. And David went through so many things in his life. He, he went through every one of these things, the, the snarling temper, the waves of worry, the mastodon of fear, the, the axe waiting to drop constantly. And when he went through those things, you know what? He, he said, what this really is, is I'm thirsting for you, God. My soul thirsts for you. Where can I go and meet with you? Now, here's the wonderful thing about David. Over time, God had trained him and trained his eyes to look to God and say, I need you when I'm thirsty. But for many of us, we're not yet there. We haven't trained ourselves to, for example, be able to distinguish between physical thirst and spiritual thirst. And here's what I mean by it. So often in our lives... We're spiritually thirsty. Our souls are thirsty. But instead of trying to solve that by drinking the spiritual water that Jesus offered this woman at the well, we, we try to drink in other stuff. And usually, usually it's physical stuff. We'll begin to think to ourselves, if I can just get a better job, my thirst will go away. If I can just um, get myself out of debt and, and, and get into a position where financially I'm a little bit more stable, the thirst will go away. If I can just leave this bad relationship behind, this toxic relationship behind, I'll get into a position where I don't feel so worn down and empty and discouraged all the time. And we begin to create physical solutions to what really is a spiritual issue. You know, the woman at the well, she, she was struggling with that, wasn't she? As Jesus came and said, look, I, I have something that I, that I want to give you. And if you knew this gift that I had for you, if you really knew what it was, you'd be asking me, you'd be jumping up and coming to me and shaking by the collar and saying, give me some of this. And even after he begins to e- explain this to her, what is, what's the woman at the well's reaction Take a peek back in your crosswalk notes. What's her reaction? Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Verse 11. Where can you get this living water? Are you even greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? She kept allowing her mind to go back to the physical water. What Jesus wanted her to grasp and get is that if your soul is thirsty, you've got to have water for your soul in order to feel better and to slake that thirst. Here's our problem, and this is the second bullet point. We don't always perceive our thirst when it's soul thirst, when it's spiritual thirst. Jesus talked about this. Matthew chapter 13 he even said, this is why I tell stories. I talk to people in parables. Trying to, I'm trying to get them to, to understand what I'm saying. Because look at these people. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. 
you will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Look at those words. Aren't they amazing? People, he says, when it comes to their spirit, that their, their eyes are there, but they're not seeing anything. Their ears are there, but they're, they're really not getting it. But notice what he says at the very end, because this is so important. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. Would you circle that word turn? Circle the word turn. Jesus knows what your spiritual thirst, your soul thirst is. And and he is not content to leave you where you're at. I told you before that, that I would uh, explain a little bit more about Jesus' travel through Samaria. It's really very unusual that Jesus would even go through Samaria. Jews normally didn't go through Samaria because they had this long history of not the Samaritans and the Jews not getting along very well with each other. In fact, the Jews tended to think of the Samaritans as thugs. And going through their territory as a Jew was considered dangerous, downright dangerous and so often what they would do is skirt the territory by either going over by the mediterranean sea or crossing the jordan river and going around the other way and and not go there at all but you know and i know that our lord jesus knows everything and though he came to shed his blood on the cross for the entire world But we shouldn't mistake that to mean that he's only concerned about masses of people. He's concerned about each and every person as an individual. He goes through Samaria and he meets this woman at the well. And he is not content to leave her where she's at. And where is she at? Well, I I didn't put the whole story in your text, but here's where she's at. She's been married five times and divorced five times. She apparently is so unhappy with herself and her life that she no longer comes to the well when all the other people from town come to the well. You see, in ancient Middle Eastern customs, women came to the well in the early morning or in the evening time, usually twice a day, and and they came out together with other family members or with their friends because obviously drawing water from the well, it's heavy, it's hard work, it's easier and better if you can make sort of a little social event out of it and you can team up and help each other with the water. This woman was out there in the middle of the day at lunchtime. And and the Bible tells us in John chapter 4, the only other person there with her was Jesus. She was out there alone getting water because she didn't want to be with anybody else. And, and not only did she feel isolated in life, she, she's looking for any sort of situation. Again, coming back to what I said before, her soul was thirsty, but she was trying to solve it in another way. And so Jesus says, you've been married five times, 
And the man that you're living with now isn't even your husband. You see, she's still trying to find a physical answer to her spiritual problem. She's found another man, and she's living with him, hoping that he is going to be the answer to her thirst. How often don't all of us do that, right? And Jesus says, look, I'm I'm not going to leave you where you're at. I want you to turn. Take a look at, um, at the next passage that I put in Matthew 18.3. This is, in effect, what he was saying to the Samaritan woman, and it's, in effect, what he says to you and me. He wants to, to change us, to turn us. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Why does he say become like little children? One simple reason, little children are trusting. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants us just to look to him. And as we're going to discover in just a moment, really the drink that he wants us to drink is himself. The the Samaritan woman says, we're all waiting for a Messiah, a savior who's going to come and take care of our sins and our guilt and our shame. You know, fill that spiritual thirst. And Jesus says point blank to her, you're looking at him. I'm that Messiah. I'm the one that can fulfill your thirst. Now you might, um, you might ask, well, why does God need to have us have this thirst? Why, why does God always put us through these uncomfortable situations? You ever feel that? Ever feel like, God, can't you kind of just let up on the gas pedal a little bit with sending me some of these troubles and problems all the time? I, I just, I would love to be a little bit more comfortable in my life. That's, that's the human thing. Scientists call it homeostasis. It's our natural desire to come into the middle and be balanced and comfortable and have things be just right, you know, like the old story. Not too little of a bowl of porridge. Not too big of a bowl of porridge. We want to have our bowl of porridge be just right. And God constantly gives us bowls of porridge (laughs) that are on the other side. He gives us too little at times, right? So that we have to struggle with, why don't I have enough of X, Y, or Z? And then there are other times where he gives us the struggle of too much. What am I going to do with all of this? And we run around, we struggle, and we work, 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 trying to deal with all this. And wanting to feel like we're eating from the bowl of porridge that's just right. Why does God do that? Because he's not after us being comfortable. We want homeostasis. We want comfort. But but God wants growth. God wants trust. He wants us to become more and more and more like little children, leaning fully on him. And it's only when we go through discomfort. You know this. When are the times when you're really down on your knees? When are the times when you're paging through your Bible going, where's the answer? It's when you're feeling uncomfortable in your life. 
God wants you to feel the thirst of your soul. And that's our last point. It's so important for us to understand. He wants you to feel that thirst so that you'll drink. Thirst is uncomfortable, but discomfort motivates us. Remember Samson? Big, old, strong Samson? This little snippet of a verse from the book of Judges. Even big, old, strong Samson, when he felt thirsty, what did he do? He cried out to the Lord. So Jesus wants me to know thirst, so I'm going to go looking for something that will slake that thirst. Let's go on to the second point I want to make. This woman might have been a a Samaritan. Jesus wanted her to drink from the water that he had. She might have been an outcast, as we talked about, in her own village. But Jesus clearly wanted her to know him. This woman, this Samaritan woman, might have been a, a sinner. Guilty as the day is long. She probably created a lot of her own problems. And other problems probably came her way because of her neighbors and her so-called friends and so on. But Jesus wanted to know this sinful woman. He wanted to be right there. Even if all of her neighbors clucked their tongues, he was willing to sit and talk reasonably with her Jesus wanted her to know the forgiveness that he has to offer to the entire world. And he wants all of us to know this. The the water Jesus has is not something that you have to buy or earn or do something to get. In fact, the water that Jesus has for us, this soul water, is intended for people who will raise their hands and say, I've made a mess of my life. It's not, it's not for those of you, those of us, who raise our hands and say, you know, I'm so glad, Lord, that you came because I've got my life together. And I'm ready to show you how together I am. In fact, there's a story in the Gospels about two guys having that very experience in the temple. One guy saying, I've got it together. Lord, I'm glad you haven't made me like other people. And the other guy standing there just hitting his chest, the Jewish way of saying, I am guiltier than sin. How do you even allow me to stand in your house, God? And Jesus asked a simple question, which one of these men went home justified in the, in the eyes of God? And the answer is this guy. See, this water is not earned, and it's so important to understand that it's free, it's a gift, and it's intended for people who will stand up, raise their hand, and say, honestly, Lord, I've fallen so far short, I don't know how you can stand to be in my presence. I don't deserve you. All I deserve is your your anger and your punishment, even eternal punishment. That's what I deserve. That's what should be coming my way. But here you are, Lord, offering me a drink of this amazing water. In fact, 
This whole idea of free water goes back to the Old Testament. Look at the book of Isaiah. Put this one in your crosswalk notes. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, you have nothing to offer to God. You come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. You know, it's so important that we understand that this water is a gift. Because so often, even those of us who are Christ followers will get a little bit alienated from God at times. Because when we sin, even though we know that God is is a giving, gracious God, I see this so often with God's children. They'll sin and they'll walk away from God and go, God, I'm I'm not quite ready for you yet. Let me patch up my life a little bit. Let me at least gather a few pennies that I can give you for this water. Let me, let me do a few good things to balance out the bad things that I just did, and then come. Then come, and, and we'll talk, Lord. And Jesus says, you sin today? You sinned five minutes ago, an hour ago. You sinned on your way to church. You had a big blowout argument in the car on the way to church. You sinned this morning. You got on the internet. You caught an email from work and it ticked you off and you went. And off it went. Waiting for somebody to come into the office on Monday morning and be greeted by your angry email. Jesus says, right in the middle of your sin, come to me because the water that I have is free. It's grace-based. Notice what else it says. Revelation 22.13, I put this in your crosswalk note, says, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes... Let him take the free gift of the water of life. This this water is for you, whoever you might be. Remember the Samaritan woman? What did she say? Jesus, what in the world are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. When Jesus' disciples return, check it out in John chapter 4. It's not in here. They all kind of gather up in a little huddle to the side of Jesus and go, he's talking to that woman. What is he doing? What's he doing? Number one, men shouldn't be talking to women in broad daylight, not in Middle Eastern culture. Number two, she's a Samaritan. And number three, this woman is so storied in her little village, they probably already heard about her. And there's Jesus. (laughs) What's he thinking? Sharing his spiritual water with her. 
And that's how some of us look even at ourselves. I can't tell you how many times I've taught. And I'll tell you, this is a, if anything, it's a guy problem more than a girl problem. But I think there are plenty of girls who think this way too. I'll talk to a guy who doesn't know Jesus. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, I know I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I deserve it. You look back at my life. Oh yeah, I'm going to hell. They've accepted it. And they know that they've fallen far short. But they don't think Jesus could ever love anyone like them. I'm a Samaritan. Would Jesus talk to me? Take a look at that Revelation passage again. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. It's for everybody. And this water, finally, Jesus says, take a look at it. He says, it's living water. If you knew the gift of God, he says, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Circle those words, will you? Because they're important. Because now we're going to get to exactly what is this this water that we're talking about. We've been talking about soul thirst and spiritual thirst. I promised that I would get you to the point where I would tell you what is this water. And you know what? Jesus himself tells us exactly what this water is three chapters later in John chapter 7 because he returns to this metaphor of the water. And in fact, he tells this woman exactly what the water is, but he uses different words. Take a look at John chapter 7. I put it in your crosswalk notes. Or you can flip your Bible open three chapters later. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant... Now circle these words, the Spirit. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. How do we get this water? Jesus makes it so plain and so clear here. You get water for your soul by believing in Jesus. That's why Jesus said to that Samaritan woman, that Messiah that you're looking for, I am he. When, when Jesus says these words three chapters later, he's actually in Jerusalem. Just months before his crucifixion. And he's there at a feast called the Feast of Booths. And, and they had this amazing custom during the Feast of Booths where the priests would, would go around and they would pour water out. Announced by trumpets. Now imagine this just huge blare of trumpets. And the priest would take a golden pitcher and go dip it into the spring called the Gihon Spring. And then they carry it down a path to the temple. And as the people were listening to these trumpets, these amazing trumpets, the priest would pour out this water around the the altar in the temple. And he did this once a day for seven days. And then just like in the, in the Jericho story on the seventh day, he would go and, and do it 
seven times. And, and this was a reminder that even when the children of Israel were living in, in these booths or, or little tents wandering through the wilderness in this amazing desert where there was no water, what did God always do? He always provided something for them to drink. It was a reminder to them that when they're thirsty, spiritually thirsty, God was the one that would give them the water that they needed. Now, think about this all going on. The trumpets are blasting. The priests are pouring out this water. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all that going on, go back to that verse, John chapter 7. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Another translation says he shouted it out. The, the, the Greek word used here is the same word that's used when Jesus is walking by, for example, and the blind guy says, Jesus, come over here. I need you to heal me. Jesus gets up and he, and he, and he uses that kind of volume. And he says, look, you see all this water being poured out? If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me. And drink. I'm the answer. Believe in me. Trust in me as your Savior. Know me as your Lord. And when you do that, streams of living water will flow from within you. Let me talk to the people in this room today who are not sure that Jesus Christ is really the living water that he's claiming to be here. Some of you are here maybe for the first time today or you've been coming. Maybe you're coming because someone drug you here and you're like, really? In this big, wide world of choices, there's this guy saying, I'm the one thing that you can drink to get rid of your spiritual thirst. The Messiah, the Savior that you're looking for, I am he. Well, all I can say to you and, and pray for you if those questions are in your mind is, please keep coming. Please keep listening to what Jesus has to say because he truly is that living water. And I think if you'll watch his love, if you'll see his amazing grace in action in the lives of others in your own life, you might be amazed at how your soul could drink him in and how the Holy Spirit could could turn you back into a little child trusting in him just the way a little baby does trust in their parents let me also speak to those of you who've been Christ followers for a while you know what happens don't you we come on Sunday morning we all have this happen. I have this happen. We, we drink deep. We hear God's promises. We hear about his grace and his forgiveness and his love. You heard Jonathan say, we never want anyone to leave this room on any Sunday without hearing that Jesus Christ is their Savior and that their sins are forgiven and that grace applies to you. Let no one leave this room without hearing that every Sunday. And you walk out of here on Sunday afternoon and 
you go over to Fry's or Fresh and Easy and you're like, I'm forgiven, grace is great. You're, you know, and you're talking to you, oh, there's a crosswalk person. And you're, you know, and it's just great, right? But then somewhere in the middle of the week, right? Maybe it's Monday. You get to work, right? And there's that email that that guy wrote this morning in your inbox. And all of a sudden you feel all that frustration and that anger and that guilt and that shame or whatever it is, it starts to just well right back up in you. You, need, you know what you need to do? Be that little child. And, and you can be that little child very practically by just keeping coming back to the promises that you find, the gracious, loving promises of God you find in this book. You can be that little child by, by coming to communion and, and receiving Christ's body and blood. You can be that little child by recalling your baptism because through baptism, God assures us that we are his children washed by this water. You can become a little child by just getting down on your knees, not just on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and getting rid of your guilt. Take out the garbage and say, Jesus, I, I sinned today again. Please forgive me. And get rid of all that garbage, that anchor of guilt and shame that's, that's weighing you down. Because you're sinful and I'm sinful and we've got to do that every day. And then hear Jesus' promise that when we're authentic with him, our sins are forgiven when we confess them. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. That's how you drink the living water. Going back to these promises going back in your mind to your baptism, coming to the Lord's Supper, confessing your sins daily, and receiving Christ's promise of forgiveness every day. That's how you drink. And you just, like a little child, lean a little more and a little more on Jesus every day. Jesus, point number two, wants you to know what to drink. All right, we're going to wrap this last part up really fast. Jesus wants you to know what to drink, and it is him. He wants you to simply believe in him and receive his Holy Spirit. Do you know that uh, Jesus promises that when you do that, when you drink of him, that your life is going to truly be amazing? Now, now let me explain amazing. Remember last week what I said? That being a Christ follower doesn't mean you're checking into the Phoenician. Doesn't mean that you're getting on the blue train, right? When I say your life is going to be amazing, I'm not talking about now my life is a five-star hotel on wheels. What I mean is your life is going to be amazing because despite the challenges, despite the bowls of porridge that are too small and the bowls of porridge that are too big that keep coming your way from God, God is going to give you strength and courage and hope and patience that you never dreamed were possible in your life. Many of you are seeing this happen in your lives right now. 
can't, I can't count how many people I get to correspond with in email or talk to on a Sunday morning or talk to in a phone call or have a meeting with over at the office who are going, Pastor Jeff, I'm going through this and I'm going through that. But it's so clear to me that God is walking with me. He's strengthening me. And it's tough. It's so tough. It's so hard. I don't know if I, sometimes I just want to sit down and go, I can't make it one more step. And then from somewhere, from somewhere, I remember one of those promises that I read in the Bible. And and it strengthens me to stand back up and go just a little bit further, a little bit longer. That's what God's going to do for you. He's not going to take away the wrong-sized bowls of porridge, and he's not going to take away the challenges and the troubles and the struggles, but he is going to give you the abundant life of strength and courage, forgiveness of your sins, release of those chains of guilt and shame. Jesus is going to give you an unending supply of strength. And that's so important. And this is another reason why I think Jesus calls himself water. Do you know that when you get dehydrated and you lose just 4 to 5% of your body water, do you know what happens to you physically? Your strength gets drained away from you. Scientists know this. They've actually measured it, that when you are down and dehydrated by 4 to 5% of your water that you need, you're going to have a strength loss of 20 to 30%. Same thing spiritually. When our soul is thirsty, our soul and our spirit are not going to be as strong. But if you go to Jesus, he will give you an unending supply of strength. Look at Isaiah 40. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But when Jesus says abundant life, he's not just talking about the here and now either. He's talking about sending his son Jesus so that you and I can have the abundant life that is called eternal life in heaven. That eternal adventure with him that he bought the price of his own blood. Look at what he says in John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that they may have life. And he means life in its fullest. That's what Jesus gives you. Life in its fullest, eternal life. Tenth Avenue North. Anybody heard of them? Great new Christian band. They just wrote a song. And I'm going to close this out. And the last point out. And the last point is this. Jesus wants you to know abundance of life. The strength, the courage, the forgiveness, the grace that he has for you now. The eternal life that he has for you in the future. And listen to how, um, listen to how 10th Avenue North puts this. Come to the waters, you who thirst, and you'll thirst no more. Come to the Father, you who work, and you'll work no more. And all you who labor in vain, and to the broken and shamed, like that Samaritan woman, streams of mercy flowing from his side, because love is here. And to the bruised and fallen, captives 
bound and brokenhearted. By his stripes, he's paid our ransom. From his wounds, we drink salvation. Love is here. Jesus is here. Love is now. Love is pouring from his hands, from his brows. Love is near. It satisfies. Streams of mercy flowing from his side. Streams of mercy flowing from his side. Because love is here in Jesus Christ. Love is here. When we know Jesus, we will know abundance of life. Here and now, and even more in eternity. So will you, today, make a resolution? Whether you're, whether you're here for the first time, or here for many times, that you're going to daily come to the cross and do the cross walk. That's why we called ourselves that. Will you resolve to know that Jesus there at the cross has pardoned all your sins and defeated death for you? It's there. Drink it in. Receive it. And believe that in his promises, in his word, in his Holy Spirit, is truly life. Take a look at your next steps in the crosswalk. First of all, will you check your thirst? Is your, is your thirst something that you're not noticing? I mean, the soul thirst, has it been numbed by your own rationalization of things, your minimization of sins, or just outright denial? Or maybe you're the other end of the pendulum. Maybe you are feeling just crushed weighed down, crying out because you feel so thirsty. Figure out where your thirst is, really, and then turn and drink. Jesus has, in fact, he is the water that leads to eternal life. Finally, meditate on and memorize John 7, 37 and 38. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what an amazing thing that you sent your son Jesus to give our souls something to drink in. Lord, help us to drink freely, drink liberally. Help us to to have a big gulp every day of your son, Jesus Christ, so that our souls no longer have to be thirsty. And Lord, just like Jesus took this to this Samaritan woman, help us believe that, that it doesn't matter who we are or what our history is or what's happened to us or how big our sin or how often we've repeated it. Help us just know that this gift of, of spiritual water, your son Jesus Christ, is for all people, and therefore it is for me. Lord Jesus, help every person in this room today to go out resolved to drink deeply of their Savior and their Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.